January 31st, 2022. We're in Masechet at the very top of the page, the beginning of the seventh Perek. Says the Mishnah, Arba mitot nimserud betin sekila serefa hereg vahenek. The Mishnah over here, and this Perek in turn, continues what we began in the last Perek, in the sixth Perek. In the sixth Perek, although it began by talking about nigmar hadin, what takes place in a technical sense at the conclusion of any uh, court uh, execution case, really what the Perek talked about by and large was sekila. It talked about the mitat uh, betin, the, uh, the ability for betin, the mitzvah for betin, to put people to death by uh, stoning. This Mishnah and this Perek in turn will describe the other three mitot betin. But this Mishnah, as it begins the Perek, is going to talk about the severity of each of these mitot betin. In other words, our first Mishnah over here, the first words in it, describe the four types and ways in which betin are commanded and are given the ability and strength to put to death. The Gemara will determine and will bring forth pesukim for how we know each one of these, which one of these is applicable to which sin and so forth. But the Mishnah begins by telling us, and that order is very significant. It's telling you that's the order of severity. Who cares about the order of severity? If I were to open to the Torah, and the Torah says for uh, Shabbat, you get put to death, and the Torah tells us specifically with Sekilah, um, why do I care whether that's the most severe or not? Is this just some sort of philosophical, theoretical debate? It's not philosophical or theoretical per se. As Rashi points out, there's a nafkamina in the following circumstance. What if a person did a sin, and he's liable to do two death penalties? For one sin, he's liable to two death penalties. We could come up with a whole slew of circumstance situations where that would be relevant. Not that it's a death penalty and a monetary payment. We've talked about that in the past. That's the halakha. In other words, if at the same moment that I'm liable for death penalty, I'm also liable for um, for monetary um, uh, uh, obligations. I uh, shot a person, and as a result, the family members come and they say, not only are you going to be put to death, we want you to pay the dry cleaners in such a circumstance. I'm not liable to that. That's However, what if I'm liable to two death penalties through one activity because I violated more than one sin in that action? Says Rashi, the Gemara later on says you get the more severe of them. Well, now it's important for us to know which one's the more severe. So that's what the Mishnah says. We know that from our singing, our chanting on Yom Kippur as being the order of the severity of these mitot betim, which means to say, if for argument's sake I'm liable to seek sikila and serifa, which one of those will I get? Of course, sikila and so forth. That's what the Mishnah sets forth for us. That's the way Rashi interprets the Mishnah. Alternatively, there's another nafkamina, for one reason or another, Rashi doesn't mention it, and that is, what if I have two people and somehow there's confusion in the circumstance, I don't know who's liable to what. I know one gets sikila and the other one gets serifa or vice versa, whatever the circumstance is, but I don't know what to give them. There's a confusion in terms of the penalties that are deservant of these individuals. What are you supposed to do in such a circumstance? That as well, we know the halakha is you give the less severe in that circumstance. Well, in such a situation as well, we need to know which one's the more severe and which one's the less severe. And as a result, the Mishnah begins for us again, there are four death penalties which betin are handed to them the, uh, the objective to uh, exact them from, the, from those who did wrong. The Mishnah continues, it says, not everyone agrees to this being the order 
of Humrat, being the order of severities, in other words, Sekila, reigning supreme and the most severe, Serefa, Hereg, and Chenek following suit, Rabishim Onomer, Serefa, first it goes Serefa, and again, each one of these will define in the Mishnayot and the Gemarot to come. We talked about Sekila, everyone should know at this point what Sekila is. Serefa, Hereg, Vachenek, We'll define as we go along. But anyway, just in terms of the severity, serefa, we know that word, lisrof means to burn, sekila, so first it goes serefa, and then he inverts it, sekila comes next, henek precedes herig, and herig, that of beheading, comes last. So that's the order for Bishimon, again, being the uh, circumstance of either confusion or two liabilities. That's really the only situation in which, aside from philosophically or theoretically, they'll disagree. Zo misvat haniskalin concludes our Mishnah. Zo, what we talked about until now, really what we talked about in chapter 6, in the sixth perik of Masechet Sanhedrin, we talked about misvat haniskalin. We talked about uh, the way that a person would be put to death through sekila. We talked about some of the sins that a person would uh, would merit or demerit himself in Sikila. However, now our Perik will talk about the rest of the Mitot Betin. That's the first Mishnah. So the first Mishnah sets forth for us a mahlokit, a dispute between Hakamim and Rabbi Shimon about the order of severity of the Arba Mitot Betin. But fundamentally, what's clear from our Mishnah, based on the way I'm interpreting it, based on the way the Gemara is going to understand it, is this order is significant. The fact that there's a difference in order between Hakamim and Rabbi Shimon tells you there's a difference in opinion in terms of severity, the Gemara will very quickly pick up on that, and that will be the debate for today's class. The question will be, when the Mishnah lists an order, how much are we tethered, are we connected to that specific order? When the Hachamim mention an order, do we say, so to speak, the way the Gemara will use these words, in the Torah there's always a question, in Mukdamu Mu'harba Torah, is there a chronological order with regards to how the events were mentioned in the Torah? We oftentimes find in Rashi, in Mukdamu Mu'harba Torah, there's no early or later in terms of the way it was placed in the Torah. The Torah was, what's that? Understood. We can, we borrow, we're borrowing the term, the Gemara will, for the same type of concept. Correct, Ravi. In other words, it's a borrowed term. I almost thought I was being clever as I said, then I realized the Gemara uses that term. It's really a question in terms of severity, not in terms of timing, not in terms of chronology. But that'll be the question, the debate in our Gemara. Says the Gemara at the very onset, Amar Rava, Amar Rav Sehora, Amar Rav Huna. Kol makom, in any circumstance, morning. Sheshanu hachamim derech minya that the Hachami mentioned a minyan, a minyan meaning a number, that they gave you a number. In other words, they told you there are arba' mitot, for example, in our Mishnah. En mukdamu meuhar. Generally speaking, kol makom, generally speaking, en mukdamu meuhar, which means to say they were not specific in their ordering. Correct, Rabbi. In other words, not in terms of chronology as we generally would use it, although we'll talk about chronology as well, but over here we're talking about in terms of severity. Generally speaking, you don't need to pay careful attention per se to the order that they list it. They're listing, and they're listing without being specific about the specific, about the way to do it in, in the right order. Hoots, except for, and of course you're expecting, based on that introduction, the exception will be our Mishnah. Surprisingly, Rav Sehora or Rav Huna will not have it our Mishnah. He'll give a different exception to the law, a different exceptional case. What's that? Hoots mishiv'a sammanim except for the seven sammanim. The word sam, as Rashi points out, sometimes has to do with something you'd smell, like bosim, 
Um, other times it has to do with medicinal, when the Hachamim talk about the Samha Hayim coming from Torah, it's medicinal purposes. Now she says the word per se means something that cares for another. Now she says that the word Sam is something that's mitakin, something that fixes another. So that's not per se something that has good smell, although oftentimes smell has a way of fixing our state of being, raising our spirits. It's not per se a cure. Sam means something that fixes. Okay, so over here we have seven samanim. What are these seven curative or seven fixing agents? Ditnan, as the Mishnah says, shiv'a samanim ma'avirin al haketim. There are seven samanim, seven items that will be used in order to fix in some way a ketim. Anyone who's familiar, even not too familiar, with the halachot of nida, the woman who's in her, her menstrual uh, uh, process uh, cycle. So in such a circumstance you deal with, oftentimes, if not always, ketamim. A ketim, of course, means there's a stain of blood. Now, the question will arise, and did arise, whether the blood was that she found on her garment, what we call dam nida, or there was some other dye which somehow made its way onto her garment. How would you determine that? Of course, there are a whole slew of ways of determining that in terms of size, in terms of circumstance, and so forth. But for our purposes, what the Mishnah over here will be talking about, and we'll have a mahluk between Rashi and Rabbeinu Tam exactly how to understand this Mishnah. We'll start with Rashi. It goes like this. If you found, or if the woman found, this blood on her garment, and you want to determine whether it's blood of nida or it's blood of something else, you'll go through the process of quote-unquote cleansing it through seven, one after another, actions to the garment. If when you finish those seven actions, one after another, in terms of ridding it of this color, the color is still as strong as it was initially, says Rashi in his understanding of this, that's not damnida. These are the secret potions to dealing with damnida, to fixing it. So if you go through, I'm going to read them in just a second, one step after the next step, seven steps, and there's still that blood there, and it's omed be'ina, it's just as, just as clear, just as strong, that's not damnida, it's something else, and she's tahor, go ahead. Correct. 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 Both blood, both damaka, as uh, Nathan points out, as well as any other dye which made its way in there, will be different according to this, according to the Hachamim's tradition, as Rashi explains it over here, than damnida, than the menstrual blood of a woman. That's the ex- interpretation of Rashi. Rabbeinu Tam disagrees a bit. He says we're not per se talking about the garment which we're uncertain about. Certain about. I know that the garment is tamid. Right? I know that the woman is tamit, that I'm certain about. But I want to now cleanse this garment. So the garment certainly, she somehow or another knew or saw or felt the blood go onto the garment. That blood on the garment is damnida. However, now I'd like to cleanse that garment. I don't want it to be mitame other things, other people. I want it to be tahor. What am I to do in such a circumstance? I go through this seven-stage process, and by so doing, if I realize at the end that the color has diminished, well, I know that I've affected something. If I see that it's still standing strong, so then I realize that sometimes it's a little bit harder or whatever the circumstance is in terms of this damnida. So the question just is between Rashi and Rabbeinu Tam whether I'm dealing with a certain case of, I know this is nida, here's the way to fix it, or it's uncertainty and I want to know how to determine whether this is nida or not. Well, anyway, here are the seven stages. I mean, you know, don't get too crazy about it. Don't, please don't try this one at home, certainly not with your wife's expensive uh, clothing. First one, rok tafil. 
Rok tafel refers to spit. Uh, saliva, which is tafil, which is raw, which is stale. And what's that, says Rashi? You woke up in the morning, you haven't put any food in your mouth, you haven't, you, you haven't really done much with your mouth, and there's that stale saliva, well, so spit a little bit of it out, or a bunch of it out, and use that as the first stage in terms of cleansing or in terms of determining the status of this garment. So that's stage number one. Again, why are we mentioning this in our Gemara? Because our Gemara is telling us that generally speaking, the order is insignificant. This is the exception. Case. You must go in this order, so you start with the saliva treatment. Umegerisim, the second stage is, Megerisim refers to, well, literally, it means the water of girisim. Girisim, I think, is grits. It's like an oatmeal or a type of thing which you make from beans of some sort, of pool. Uh, so, what, pool, what, what do we do? What's, well, it's, but it's what's in your mouth afterwards, and I think it's like more uh, farina style. Anyway, whatever, so you, de- you dealt with it, you put it in your mouth a little bit, and then it's megirisim, uh, some, some sort of uh, the extract from it. That's the second stage, uh, a little bit. Maybe less gross than the first one. Umeraglaim. Meraglaim refers to urine. Now, how would you get urine as a cleansing agent? Rashi says it needs to be mahmitz. We know this from elsewhere. It's supposed to be left out, I think, for three days. All right, three days, somehow it has a curing uh, uh, aspect to it. I, I think that's scientific as well, by the way. I think Uric that, what's that? Uric acid. Is that exactly what it is? Oh, fascinating. Okay, if you say so. Anyway, that's the uh, third in the stage. Venetir. Nete Rashi says is some sort of uh, part of ground. It's, it comes from the Adama, says Rashi. Min Adamahu. So that's Nete. It comes from the ground. So this that's is the. Supposed to dissolve the, the it's supposed to blood. either dissolve or leave it Va'ina, and that's how I'll determine. This is Metsiyut. This is not. Uh, yes. In other words, not yes. Yes, a hundred percent. I'm just talking about it in the general sense. I'm not. Hundred percent. Hundred. Nathan points out this is not some sort. Of, this is, that's an important point to be made. This is not the Gemara Masechet Gitin has several dapim where they talk about medicinal ways of the time. That was okay. I don't, we don't know how to determine that. And specific, you know, they asked Rabbi Chaim Kanievsky, "Can you make a siyum on Masechet Gitin if you didn't learn, learn those dapim?" And he said, "Yes. Those are hard to understand. We don't know exactly what to talk." Over here, they're talking about reality. This is what they are saying. This was tried and practiced in terms of the blood of that time. And they're, they're not just a, a, a postulating or hypothesizing. They're talking about specifically, this is the way you would do it. And they try Absolutely. Steps. Every yeah. single one of these steps, the not only every single one of them, in the order. That's the let's point. Say, let's, say it goes let's say it goes way after step two. Right. Step one, it goes way. Yeah, then you should be good, no? Then you're yeah, absolutely okay. I'm saying you don't have to go through Correct. Process. Correct. We're Correct. Correct. And if you reach it, the seven and it took you six days, does those six days count towards the... I don't think so. I don't know. What, what do you mean? Towards the cycle. Oh, oh, certainly. Certainly. But again, we're not dealing per se on the... Uh, you're saying you reached the seven... Yeah, absolutely. And she was treating herself appropriately? Yes, absolutely. Veneter uborit. The next in this stage is borit. Borit, says Rashi, it's a type of asif. type of asif means some sort of grass, which you're using. I guess you're crushing and you're then running it, rubbing it on the garment. Kamolia says the, the next stage over here. Says Rashi, what is that? This is the second time in several dapim that Rashi told us he doesn't know what something is. I think if I'm not mistaken, Aruch and others explain it's a different type of grass of some sort. Rashi was not exactly familiar with what a Kamolia was. The next one is Ashlach or maybe Ashlag. Says Rashi, what is that? That comes from, um, from Margaliot. Margaliot are, um, are pearls. 
pearls of sorts uh, from the bottom of the sea, and there's, uh, there's some sort of extract from it, and that would be your last stage in the seven-stage process of determining or of cleansing this matter of of, of nida, of uh, dam nida. Well, that being the case, says the Gemara, this list, this seven-stage process, katane sefa, the end of the Mishnah says, he'aviran shelo kesidran, if you went in the improper order, you switched one in front of the other, or you did all seven at once, you can't use that as a determinant, if it's now standing and it's just as strong as it began, you can't say, oh, well, now I know this isn't nidat. No, it needed to be in the proper order. If it were to be done in the proper order, then you'll, you'll, you would know, then you'll be able to determine whether this actually diminished or didn't. I'm trying to prove that this is the only real case where order matters. Correct. Back in context, as Jesse, the reason this is mentioned in our Gemara is for the following reason. Our Gemara started the statement in the name of Ravuna. And what's the statement? The statement is, there's in general the following principle. When the Chachamim have a list of matters, they're not specific in their ordering, aside from, and we have one exception. That's what we have. Well, right now only one. We have a whole Amud to discuss all the others. Anyway, says the Gemara, according to... No, because I, I don't think so. I think it's the other way. I think over here what we're saying is if it's still strong, in other words, don't assume lekula that that's not nida if you did it all that way. Says the Gemara, Rav Papa Saba Mishemed de Rav Amar Af Arba Mitot. Says the Gemara onward, Rav Papa Saba, in the name of Rav, says, wait a second, that's your only situation in which the order of the Hachamim was, was specific? What about our Mishnah? Our Mishnah of Arba Mitot Betin seems quite clear, about whether it starts with Sikila and goes to Serifa, Herik, and Henek, or alternatively, Serifa, Sikila, Henek, Herik. The only nafkamina of the Mishnah, there's two nafkaminas. Rashi mentions one, and the others mentioned by Meiri and others. It goes like this, in a circumstance where you're liable to two death penalties. You did one action, you get two. We give you the more severe one. That's why we want to know. Alternatively, we're uncertain. Two people got mixed up. Neither one of them can we take for their word as to which one of the death penalties. We know one sikila and one serifa. We're going to give the lower level one. And that's... No, it's Mukdam. The first is going to be the more severe. Sekila is the most severe. And then I'll... If there was this type of situation, keep in mind this is in a time during which we cared, quote unquote, a lot more about this specific circumstance because there was now a real Tum'ah which affected Kodashim. So you cared more about the garment. In, in other words, you, you, in today's day and age, you don't care as much about the garments. So she's temp, so the garment's Tameh. That's, that, that's uh, the, the most important part. We're going to have to give it a little bit of talk. No, no, I mean, I mean it. We're going to have to give Mara, we'll test out the opinions and so forth. Right now we're in a different domain. Right now we're in the order domain. Clearly, our Mishnah needs to be added to that, uh, to those exceptional cases where the order is significant, where the order is specific. From the fact that the Mishnah mentions that Rabbi Shimon is maflig, he disagrees. Well, clearly, the first opinion, 
was in a specific and particular order. Rabbi Shimon disagrees. What's he disagreeing about? He agrees there are four mitot metin. Clearly, they're disagreeing about the proper order. We can derive from that. We can derive from the fact that Mishnah mentions Rabbi Shimon disputing hachamim. Dafka, of course, means specific. The Mishnah was specific and particular in its ordering. ordering. So clearly, our Mishnah is another exception. How come the Gemara is implicitly asking on that first opinion of Rav Huna, how come you mentioned only the Shiva Samanim? How come you didn't have our Mishnah? Isn't our Mishnah just as good? What's that? Correct. When we mention Muktam Mirhar, we don't mean per se chronological. We mean more specific in terms of the ordering. How specific is the ordering? That's what we mean by Muktam Mirhar. Yeah. Uh, in other words, Muktam Mirhar, when we use it in the Torah context, we mean in terms of chronology. Over here, what we mean is were they specific in their ordering, going from most severe to less? Says the Gemaravi Iddah. What about the first opinion, that of Rav Huna? That of Rav Sehora. Why did he disagree? Why didn't he mention our Mishnah as the exception? Biplukta la kamayere. He was not interested in talking about circumstances where there's a dispute. In other words, he only wanted to mention, his purpose was mentioning a case where everybody agrees this is the proper ordering. So he says, the only circumstance where you find that the hachami mention an order and they are so particular and specific in it being in that order and only in that order is the case of seven samanim. What about our Mishnah? Our Mishnah has two different opinions. He wasn't interested in mentioning that sort of circumstance. A little bit of a difficult sell, and the Mefarshim do question this because when it comes down to it, both Hachamim and Bishimon, so separated Bishimon from Hachamim, the order is still significant. Everybody agrees that the order is significant. Okay, that's the Gemara's deflection. The Gemara's deflection is we're looking for a situation where it's only one opinion that everyone agrees to, says the Gemara, but we have more. That might be why we're mentioning this in our Mishnah, but we have plenty more circumstance situations where the Hachamim are specific in their ordering. Rav Papa. So to the order of the day, in other words, the order of the day in Masechet Yomah, in Yom Kippur, there was a specific and particular, we know Seder Ha'avodah, we have it as part of our tefillah on, on, Yom, on Yom Kippur, there was a specific and particular order. Ditnan, the Mishnah says that the conclusion in Masechet Yomah, mentioning all the order, detailed events of the day, says the Mishnah, Kol Yom Ha'amurim al says the Mishnah explicitly, everything we mentioned to you until now is, al haseder needs to be done in the proper order. Im hikti lo says the Mishnah, if you preceded one to the other, and over here we're talking about sounds like it might have something to do with severity we are t- certainly talking about chronology if you did one of the activities before one of the others I mean we know many of the activities of the day right we know the you have different animals that are that are slaughtered there's different sprinklings there's changing of clothing there's a whole avodah which we detail and talk about in Masechet Yoma and we know as well once upon a time done on Yom Kippur in the Mikdash, if you change the order one iota, says the Mishnah, lo lo kelum, you didn't fulfill anything. How come that's not mentioned as well? You mentioned just a few moments ago, Rav Sehora, in the name of Rav Huna, that whenever the rabbis talk about the order, they don't really mean the order, except for one case. What about this case? Says the Gemara Ve'iddah, what would that first opinion, the first mention that we had, kol makom, in general, all circumstances, aside from one, the hachamim don't mean the order? 
hahu humra be'alma. That situation is humra, severity be'alma. It's only a severe case. What does that mean? Of course, that's what we're talking about. That's the operative word over here, the severity. Explains Rashi, there's a difference between the severity of the actions themselves, or it's a severity because of some sort of, quote, external factor. Over here, says Rashi, what we're dealing with is the day, the severity of the day of Yom Kippur. That's what says you better do this in the proper order. Kiv Yachol HaKadosh Baruch Hu turns to us and says, you're on my day? on this really pristine and sanctified and separated, unique day, on this day everything needs to be in order. Wait, wait, is it because per se, if I did this action before that action or that one after that one, I messed it up because the actions inherently have that severity attached to them? Certainly not. Says Rashi, the interpretation to the Gemara is the day, the importance of the day. I mean, you know, you, you can imagine that, uh, I, I've, I've given this example in the past, not in this situation, but you know, in, in the army, I was told at least, at least in the Israeli army, you have to pick up your right foot before your left foot when you're marching. I know they say left, right, left, right, but I suppose, but I think it's the right foot first. And if you do your left, this is what I was once told, you get punished, you get put in kele, you get, pun- you get punished. Was there something per se about the left foot as opposed to the right foot? So in Judaism, we might say the right foot has a certain mishpata uh, bechora, but generally speaking, inherently, there's nothing about the right foot more than the left foot. What's the severity? Why is it that we care? You're in the army, the circumstance, now as such, there needs to be an order to what you're doing, not because of the right foot as opposed to the left foot. That's the answer of the Gemara over here. It says the Gemara on Yom Kippur, it's not the actions per se as we're talking about in the order of the Mitot Betin, as we're talking about in the order of the seven Samanim of the Nida. Over there, it's because of the Humra of the Yom. That's an exceptional case, which is an exception to the exception, so to speak. It says the Gemara onward, Rav Huna, Rav Amar, Av Seder Tamid. We can add to the mix, not only seven samanim, but the seder tamid. Masechet tamid is a, is a masechet which talks about the order of how you would do the tamid shil, the tamid in the, every morning and every afternoon you would have a tamid. You would have a sacrifice which was brought on behalf of all of Am Yisrael. There was a specific and particular order with which you, you, you set up the wood at the mizbeach and so forth. Every single one of those matters, says the Gemara, needed to be done in the proper order. Well, that's Clearly, Katane Allah, the Mishnah in Masechet Tamid says, Zehu Seder Tamid. This was the order of the Tamid. Clearly, says the Gemara. Clearly, says Ravuna Bereda Rav Yehoshua, that's a specific and particular order. If you change the order, it's not going to work. It's not going to be sufficient. You'd have to redo the Tzed Tamid. Well, that being the case, how come you didn't mention that as well? Tosafot questions, is the word over here, the word Seder, is that the word that they're noticing? How do they know that this is, if you didn't change the, if you change the order, you messed it up? All you have over here, it doesn't say over here in Masechet Tamid, Im Hikdim o Iher lo Asa velo Kelum. It rather just concludes with tamid. tamid might just mean this is the order we're setting forth for you. Clearly they're taking those words there to be specific. It's got to be in this order. If it's not in this order, it sounds like that's how they're reading it. You're in, you're in trouble. Says, says Tosafot, we had in Masechet Rosh Hashanah, we had Seder HaTefilot, we had the Seder of the, excuse me, Seder Berachot, we had in, uh, in Musaf of, Kippu, of Rosh Hashanah, you have a specific order. Uh, why don't you mention that as well? You had Seder Tiki the way you're supposed to do tekiah, teruah, shivarim, and so forth. Tekiah, shivarim, teruah. You're supposed to. Have, how, how come that's not mentioned as well? Let's toss that foot. What's that? But again, the diuk. 
maybe we could have given that answer. But when it comes to how the Gemara didn't ask it. And generally speaking, the Gemara will flesh that out. If the diuk is from the word seder, it's funny, says Tosafot, that that wasn't mentioned. Tosafot doesn't have an answer to that question. Anyway, says the Gemara again, the Mishnah says, following the order of the tamid on a daily basis, zehu seder tamid, what would the other opinion? In other words, the opinion said, well, only exception to the rule is the case of seven samamanim, hahu be'alma. That circumstance, even though it says zehu seder, it doesn't mean that it must be done that way, it's be'alma. That's ideal. The hachamim did not say the words im hikdim o iher lo asave lo kilum, if you did one before the other, other, one after the other, you didn't fulfill anything. They're just saying this is the ideal way to do it. Ula afuke says the Gemara. Now that we dealt with all of that sort of mess, all of that sort of disputes and questions about what's the exception, we only really have one exception to the rule. You should know that statement of kol makom. Every situation where the hachamim had an order, don't take it too seriously. Just know you need to get all these done. Is la afuke nafka means to come out, right? It's coming to exclude mimisvat halitza. It's come to exclude the circumstance, situation of mitzvat halitza, where if you read this Mishnah, if you read the Pesukim in the Torah with regard to the mitzvah or the halacha of halitza, you maybe would have said that the order is specific. Says our Gemara, that's what we're coming to make a point of telling you, making clear to you, that's not a specific and particular order. When you do halitza, just make sure all the ingredients are in place. What is halitza? Of course, halitza is in a circumstance situation where there are two brothers, one's married to a woman and dies without a son. In such a circumstance, that, that wife falls to the brother of the deceased. In such a situation, he has a de- decision to make. Is he going to do yibum? It's called leveret marriage get married to that, uh, that wife, to that widow, or alternatively, is he going to do halitza? Halitza is an elaborate process we'll read about here in the Mishnah, in the Gemara, which is described in the Torah, with regards to a situation where he pushes her away and says, I'm not interested in this, and uh, we'll, we'll now read about the order or the non-order, the ingredients, the facets of this procedure, which needed to be in place. Now again, why is it being mentioned in our Gemara? To tell you that although the Torah, although the Mishnah might even leave you on to it must be in this order don't read it that seriously don't read it that particularly you should understand you just need to get these things done it's not after after yeah ditnan mitzvat halitza mitzvat halitza now that word mitzvat is a, an interesting word as well yamsha shalomor bishalomor luria talks about this over there at the beginning of perik mitzvat halitza about whether halitza is actually a mitzvah do we consider it one of the 613 mitzvot or alternative this word mitzvah just in terms of the in circumstances is what you're supposed to do that's a conversation for another time but anyway says the mishnah mitzvat halitza ba who v'yivimto, the fellow, the, the remaining, the, the live brother, and his yivama, and that woman, they come, lifne betin. Hayunotnin lo hahogenet lo. Initially, the betin were supposed to give him advice. They'd sit him down, they'd say to him, for example, says the Gemara, if she was older uh, by much uh, than him, so they'd say to him, maybe it's not appropriate for you to do yibu, maybe you should do halitza. If she was much younger than him, or whatever the situation was, they'd give him, what's that? 
if, if inappropriate for him, if they foresee a wrongful uh, situation, they would talk him out, or they would try to talk him out of it. The Basuk says they would call him in, and they would talk to him. There was an initial conversation. What's that conversation about? But whether Yibum is actually appropriate over here. All right. He determines Halita is appropriate. He omerit me'en yevami. She would say, my, my yavam, this fellow who, uh, technically speaking, I'm his responsibility, he's not interested. Now, it appears as if in the text of the Torah and even from the Mishnah, that's the next stage. You start with, they talk to him, and then she must talk first. In other words, we bring everyone into the room and choreograph it such. Let me talk to him. Now, nobody talk until, you know, like under the chuppah. Please don't say about a chuppah. You know, we have a whole choreographed situation. And it sounds like she must then, wait one second, don't say anything. You'll ruin the procedure. Again, the whole point in our Gemara is to say the procedure is less important in terms of the order as opposed to these being the details that go into it. Anyway, it sounds like she would then speak, the omer, and then he would respond, I'm not interested in, uh, in taking her as a wife. And they would be saying it, and they must say it in Hebrew. And then she would, in front of the elders, in front of the Dayanim who were situated there, would in front of them come in front of, of this fellow, and she would take off the na'al, the shoe of this yavam, and she would spit in front of them. And what type of spit? It needed to be a spit, which all five of the Dayanim were able to see. That was important. In other words, it needed to be a phlegmy type of spit. They had to be able to see it from the time it came out of her mouth until it rested down. Why was it a shoe, parenthetically? Well, nobody knows exactly. That's what the Torah says. What's that? Yeah, that's cool. that we're going to read that in just a second. Uh, but why, why a shoe? What I've suggested, what I've suggested more than once is quite the opposite. The shoe used to, and maybe still does, I've been told even still, Albert Bishu told me it still does when I said this the last time, uh, a shoe represented um, our material status. Uh, even today, what type of shoe you wear, I was told, he told me, what type of car you drive, what type of watch you have, describes your material status. Shoes, uh, the bondsmen did not used to wear shoes. The slaves didn't get to wear shoes. Shoes show she'asali kol surki, is the berachat hachamim established for shoes. Why shoes? Because shoes show, and they weren't uh, denying this, shoes shows who I am, my social status, my social standing. Uh, for example, the Midrash, I've suggested more than once, the Midrash says that the brothers of Yosef sold him for shoes. That's a strange description. What shoes have to do with them? Doresh pasuk from the Haftarah Parasha. But what shoes? Shoes again. They sold him for their status in the family. He was elevated by Yaakov above them. They sold him for shoes. They wanted to raise them. Even the Mekubalim talk about our body being symbolic of the Naal, right? Our body is, so to speak, the shoe which goes on to our soul, which is the foot. That's the way they envision and talk about it very often because the shoe is the material social standard that we have. That means that he turns to this woman and says, listen, I'm not willing to support you financially and materially. I'm not willing to bring you into my social orbit. That's the shoe over here. Anyway, the halachot continuing. And she would then say, She would say, this is what happens in a situation, a person who's not interested in doing the leveret marriage, and then this person's family name would be, so to speak, tarnished in some way. They would be known as the family of taking 
taking off the shoes. In other words, they're not willing to extend themselves further and to get into a vulnerable state of supporting another in doing yibum. Ve'amar Rav Yehuda mitzvat halitza and then the Gemara says that Rav Yehuda was one of the Emoraim would then say you should know the ideal order over here by Halitza goes like this she would then first speak and then he would speak back she'd take off the shoe she would spit and then she would read those words again wait one second you gave me the Mishnah and then Rav Yehuda comes and he's just summarizing the Mishnah the Havinanba and the Gemara says and they asked a question what was Rav Yehuda doing in terms of adding to the Mishnah the Mishnah really the text of the Torah gave me an order Rav Yehuda then said you should know here's the ideal order what you teach me the Mishnah told me the Torah told me that Matnitini it's a Mishnah the Mishnah explicitly told me the order it's like I come into the class and I say I have a Hidush everyone listen up and I read to you the Mishnah what was your Hidush you didn't say anything different. The Hidush over here is Mitzvah The Mitzvah, the ideal way to do it is in this order. However, if you flipped it, if you did one step before the other, if the man spoke before the woman, if she spit before the shoe and so forth, there's no problem in such a situation. In fact, we have a Beraita which explicitly says so. In such a situation, whether she spits before taking off the shoe or she takes off the shoe before spitting, it works, it's okay. Why is this all being mentioned now in Again, to bring us back to our initial statement. The initial statement was, you should know, in general, in the hachamim and in order, don't get too carried away by the order. Don't believe that the order is specific and particular. If you didn't do it in that way, well, you didn't fulfill anything except for shiva'asa manim. Says the Gemara, what about this case? What about that case? Well, we dealt with all those cases. We weren't denying anyone. We were just explaining why they weren't a part of the, the, the statement. But what's the statement significant for? It's significant for Le'afuket to tell you we're excluding the case of Halitza. Don't believe that in the Halitza situation it must be done in that order. If you didn't do it in that order, you have to redo it. If you didn't do it in that order, the woman's still hanging. She's still a woman whose uh, Yevaman needs to be dealt with. It's okay, although there's an ideal order, that of the Torah, the order is not specific in particular, Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen, amen.